0: I'm Tai I'm
1: Menkata. run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter and Instagram. We use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture.
0: Nine original fifth element. Why I highlight the fifth element hip hop, which is knowledge. I'm in Marty McFly mode to so turn that future's back. Riding on hoverboards, wiping out motherboards, start spear fire because my motherfucking lungs scorched King Arthur when he swung his sword. A king author, even even pen appended like a motherfucker. psh! I remember the first time hearing that? Like legitimately hit the hit first time I heard it, I was just like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, fuck. The first time spinning Survival Tactics was out, fucking standing. Like, I mm-hmm. bit. I don't remember many, th- many first times of listening to anything because how could you, right? But when you listen to as much as we listen, uh, stuff uh, we listen to. But yeah, man, it's just remember being there just like absolutely melting at that particular light just stop the beat <laughs> sheesh hi Bim. how's your eat, Bim? what have you been see this week
1: yeah i feel like capital steez is someone that you first time you hear you always remember you always like oh oh like yeah it's gonna be interesting ah, uh, this week's been hot man it's so hot like it's like no it's been cold actually it's been extremely cold <sighs> but you know we don't have air-con, so it's, it's you know... I don't mind the heat. I don't mind it. I like it more than the cold, but he's getting quite oppressive, trying to sleep and sweating through your sheets. It's not much, not much fun. <laughs> this week, man, this week. We've got some albums this week. I'm going to start with Styles P. Uh, man, Styles P just needs the right production. He just needs the right production. He's He never misses. Lyrically, he's always on point. Conceptually, I think he's always bringing something interesting. I'm always curious to see where he is in his evolution and his growth as a person because <clears throat> if you've seen interviews with styles p kiss, you know they're on journey man they're on a journey they're they're really working they're, they're developing themselves as human beings and you know different ventures that they're doing it's very interesting to see how they then you know talk about their history and talk about things they've been through and the, the things that they've done in their past and styles p is one of the greatest rappers of all time man. it's just always amazing listening to him but yeah the production here half of it's good half of it's just not good and it drags styles p into some positions that you know the second track for example is just straight up pop rap song you know with a big booming hook and uh yeah it's nice it's a huge miss and then the third track's really good and then the fourth track's really good it just kind of like oscillates between these two things and yeah man look i think it's worth going in giving it a spin i don't think it's I think his his projects have been getting more inconsistent as we progress. That's just how I feel. I think stuff from the two thousand tens and late two thousands very consistent, bro. Very very good. You know what you're gonna get with the Styles P album. Nowadays, you're not really sure. It's like, is he gonna put a pop rap song on here? Is he gonna bring a, a pop singer on for a hook randomly and try and do like this big kind of pump up anthem? Uh, yeah. Apart from that, good album. Good album. Always Styles P man. You're not gonna be disappointed listening to a Styles P album. Uh, Ruben Vincent dropped a really, really solid project, uh, Rhapsodies, on here as well. Highly recommend going and checking that out. I, I really enjoyed it. I only gave it one spin. I haven't had a chance to give it more listens, but uh, you know I, I might even talk about it a bit more next week after I listen to it more during the week. But yeah, very, very solid project. Um, who else have we got in here? I want to talk about Yotti last. Um, <laughs> Crime Apple, Crime Apple dropped a good tape. I enjoyed that um that was pretty much it bic fizzle i'm not sure if i should say bic fizzle or bic fizzle bic fizzle yeah bangers man some bangers on that project i thought i thought it was really solid i enjoyed it um if you just want to listen to some trap bangers turn it on switch it off everything else off forget about everything yeah man that's where it's at the god fahim as well i thought that was a good project with camouflage monk I think that's his second tape in two weeks as well. So yeah, the Godfather him. Just lyrical, man. Just a very lyrical artist, very lyrical. And finally, we're just going to talk about it, man. We're going to talk about Lil Yachty. So Lil album of the year. Lil drop. Lil, <laughs> Lil, 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 Lil Lil Yachty dropped this album, and it came out early in Australia. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to listen to an album before I declare it album of the year. I'm actually going to give it a spin. See if it's it's worthy of that title the first track, holy shit, because the first track's about six minutes, six and a half minutes, so I didn't get into the album for a good half hour, because I just kept playing the song back over and over and over again, incredible, just a beautiful psych rock slow burner that just progresses into all these different directions, it's great man, and Lil Yachty's in there, he's in the mix, he's he's kind of, his voice is an instrument on that track, It's, it's beautiful, and then we get something that I don't think anyone really expected. It's basically a a psych rock, alt rock kind of album from Yodi, like an indie folky kind of thing from the late two thousands. You know, obviously I've been saying MGMT, Tame Impala, and Pink Floyd were obviously like on the vision board for this record because it definitely sounds like definitely sounds like something Tame Impala would have put out or definitely MGMT after their first album. But yeah, man, I think it's really, really good. There's a lot of criticism floating around and that's that's totally fair. Yachty definitely pushed himself out of his comfort zone here. Um, it's not Michigan Boat Boy. It's probably, I don't know if there's been a bigger sonic shift than this because Yachty doesn't rap at all on this and there are no traditionally hip-hop beats on here at all. I wouldn't say anything on this album is an actual hip hop like hip-hop production. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Fantagram and Big Boy Project, Big Gram. Again, I'm saying all the things it reminds me of, and that's what I've, a lot of people have been critical of. I don't think it's the most like experimental thing ever I don't think Yachty's just created something that's never existed before you know when I first heard Igor that's how I felt I'm like I don't think this has ever existed before I don't know this is incredible this is you know no one's ever done what Tyler is doing right now it's the same on 808s not consistently for a whole project is what I mean and created a concept and aesthetic and stayed within it for the entire project that's very hard to do I don't think Yodi's done anything groundbreaking. I think he has challenged himself to move into a different area and move into a different sound and I really respect that. Um, I think that's great and he produces here he's got like 12 production credits of the 14 tracks. That's freaking amazing, man. That's amazing. Yodi was, you know, right there at the at the start of this, at the whole the whole genesis of this. He's the one with the creative direction and I like that. He has an idea about where he wants to go are you going to enjoy it if you like michigan boat boy and you like that kind of little yachty again it's a completely different sound it's entirely different so it's normal for you to go into it and just be like bro this is trash what is this because it's so different it's so different it's okay it's okay you don't have to criticize the people who like it um but yeah man i i I adore it i've listened to it i don't normally do this i've listened to it maybe six or seven maybe maybe even more times um, and it's freaking it's monday morning over here like it came out friday morning so it's been a couple of days and i've just played it i've just but i've had it on the background i've had it on when i'm working out i've had it on when we're playing playstation like i've just done so much to it it's just this incredible album so i want to shout out yachty i think uh the rhetoric around it is going to be pretty intolerable um people are going to be yapping about it they're going to be getting their hot takes off and that's cool. We're probably going to get our hot takes off about it next week when we we discuss the uh, the metaphysical ramifications of what Yachty's doing. But yeah, nah, man, I like it. I like it a lot. I highly recommend it. People at least check it out, man. If you don't like it, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with you. But yeah, I reckon give it a go. See how you <laughs> feel. That was me, Charlie. What about yourself?
0: Uh, yeah. Someone else asked me if um ha- have you, have any of you have you uh, you know spun the Yachty project. And I was like, I'm currently listening to the high-tech instrumental B-project. You tell me if I'm listening to it. Um, so yeah, have fun with that. Have fun with all those uh, conversations, because I am out. Uh, high-tech, as aforementioned, uh, Glen Orchard Drive, 1993 MPC-60. Very instrumental B-project, name of a project. Um, so this is, uh, according to his IG, one of five uh, beat tapes he's going to drop in the next few months. Um, which uh, is very interesting, and uh, if this goes by anything, um'm gonna get some clean high tech beats. High tech's one of those, just like just if you know you know kind of guys, you know what I mean, like he has some he has notable projects and noble collaborations, right? but uh, p- people don't put him in like the you know mad lib alchemist pantheon, right? but he's always he's been here. he's been here for a while, right? It's at least since. You know, obviously, well, clearly, from the title of this, since the '90s, so you know, it's not like he's come out of nowhere. He's clearly been doing work and has always been doing work. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting how some some people just are just are just there. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, high tech. Forgo- I nearly forgot about that dude, um, but he's still banging out, he's still banging out albums and st- banging out B tapes and all that stuff, keeping busy. And uh, this is one of five, and uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed this one. Um, especially the Coltrane one, uh, literally called Coltrane, and as you can imagine, samples Coltrane, and it's absolutely clean. Um, it's not too, not too long of a project either, so, so it's not really. It's not like a Ninth Wonder Zion projects where like they go for an hour and a half um, and are just destined for the background of everybody's life. But um, you can you can I think you can sit down with this one and uh, really absorb the absorb the MPC. Classic hip hop, hip hop—you um, know ways of doing things. So uh, shout out to high tech on that front. Uh, Brody Brown, the kickback. This is the imagery I got from this uh, album. Was as I was listening to it. You know, in the first, um, for those that have seen Fresh Prince, the classic Fresh Prince Bella, of course, right? First episodes. Um, he's in his he's in his new room, um, and he's and he's. Jam into Soul to Soul, Back to Life, right? Uh, to the point where he touches the wall and the whole wall wool mo- wool moves, which is hilarious. Um, I thought, when I was listening to this, I was like, this is what the, the Bel Air reboot thing that's, that's been out. And I still haven't watched yet, but I've got it saved. I'm going to watch it at some point. Um, but that would be, this album is kind of like encapsulating what I can imagine 2022 Will would be listening to. Um, it's, it's like, it's trappy, it's got the melodic elements, but it's got also that sunny California vibe going on, um, talking about getting, uh, you know, sm- smashing women, smashing chicks, all that stuff, right, all that classic hip hop shit, um, but, I don't know, it's got, like, it's got, it's su- got, it's got like a nice essence to it, where you, where you can bump in the whip, um, and yeah, some good, some good stuff on there, some real good stuff on there, um. Interesting lesson for sure, and uh, yeah, give me very Bel Air vibes. Um, just, uh, just a, just a, just a rich, just a rich kid. Um, just uh, living life in LA. That's how I can imagine it. Um, yeah, Ruben Vincent, Love his War. Been a big fan of Ruben for a while now. Um, ever since he signed to Jamla, been keeping up with him and just seeing what he's been doing. Um, you know, just a bit. Been talking with him, talking about him with uh, Ian Kelly. Um, And a couple of times I've interviewed him, um, and he really uh, uh, rates his eye history at such a young age. I think he's like 21 at this point. Um, And yeah, this is a really interesting album, really good album. Um, I like the, uh, especially like the midpoint especially, um, where he kind of hones in on relationships and has interesting... um, interesting take on it and interesting uh, ways of going about it. The Mon- Monet track is very inventive. I really enjoyed that track in terms of just the whole concept of money being this woman called Monet. It's, it's, it's great. It's it's, it's nice. Uh, it's a nice track. I'll see February 13th with Rhapsody. She just completely just bulldozes that track with top-tier lyricism, top-tier wordplay. Like, the first couple of bars she has, she just... I'd I'd like stop and stop and pit, pop it back like ten ten seconds just to spin that again. I was like, "Excuse me, stop coming with that wordplay." Like Rhapsody, if she ain't dropping this year, I'm be highly disappointed because Jesus Christ, she's 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 got she's uh, got she's got some, some heaters, lock and loaded. I, I guarantee you. Anyway, um, but yeah, Ruben album, very uh, very much enjoyed it. Um, you know, obviously the production is always always going to be top tier when you have likes of Ninth Wonder, Crisis. Uh, uh, Eric G, all of those people in the Soul Council hooking you up—you will always be laced. Um, but all you have to do in terms of Ruben is have the end product and have that other half. And uh, I think he—I think he fulfilled it. I think he fulfilled it. Very solid debut album. Shout out to Ruben Vincent. And lastly, Lakeisha Benjamin Phoenix, spelled L-A-K-E-C-I-A, Lakeisha. <coughs> So, uh, she is a saxophonist, um, and I think this is entirely produced, or executive produced, however you want to word it, uh, by Terry Lyne Carrington, uh, one of my favourite um, composers and artists um, jazz art in, in the jazz world at the moment. Um, so, you guarantee, bet your bottom dollar is going to come with some heat. Um, very nice uh, features along with it. I'm uh, just getting up right quick. Uh Diane Re- Diane Reeves on Mercy, just oh, just absolutely banging just uh, uh vocals. Georgiana Muldrow on Feet on the title track Phoenix, uh with just you know, she's 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 in the background doing shit, um, just sound wise, and it's very just makes a very interesting uh sound stage. Uh New Mornings and American Skin first uh, two tracks are very uh very uh, rage filled in my mind and has this erraticism to it. It's very fascinating. Patrice Russian, who I desperately want to see live in a couple of months, uh, in Jubilation. I think she does the keys on that one. That's very nice. Uh, Sonia Sanchez on a pieces a haiku song and blast is very interesting. Two tracks, kind of like, it's one of those tracks It's one to those tracks, kind of like could have been one track in my mind, and have those, and be one of those two-in-one tracks that I sometimes hate, but when it works, it works. Um, but this is fine in, in terms of just, you know, it's just, it, it comes one after the other, so it does really matter. Um But yeah, after that, Wayne Shorter on Supernova, really nice, and um, Angela Davis, um, as I uh, forgot to mention, on the first track as well, doing some, um, uh, I don't know if it's just um, some archive material or original, but um, yeah, Angela Davis, talking Angela Davis things. Um, so yeah, it's got some very interesting, uh, I guess, um, context behind it. Obviously, American skin, and uh, it's actually from not, it's not going to be second time we uh, say American in that in that sense. In that sense, um, but yeah, very interesting album, very uh, rich, very bold, a uh, lot of flavors, um, and yeah, Lakeisha just does her thing, and really fucking great. Uh, album cover. Really love it. I'd love to get out on final just for the visual of it. She's just, like dressed in this gold. She's got these gold like pants on uh trousers, whatever you want to call them, and like these white boots. She looks banging in that like crazy, crazy, crazy fit. Clean fit, clean fit, fit check, as we as as we do not do here. Um but anyway, let's jump in to our episode for this episode. Ha, topic for this episode and uh all sort about of Capital stews Um so obviously we could have waited to t- until King Capital comes out, but let's be real <laughs> how how long's that been rumored well, it 2014 <laughs> nearly ten years um something like that so yeah i don't, I don't know any i don't know anymore even when um the St- capital C's archive, which is how you have to find it on dsps um even when that dropped uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think that was supposed to be that was supposed to be a thing in like 2018. So even that took a few years for Joey and them and whoever's behind it to sort it out and to get that done. And uh, yeah, so you know, it's everything clearly takes a while when it comes to getting capital steezers, um work out. Um, so I feel this is probably just as good a point as any just to look into it. Um, look into his one actual solid piece of work in uh, American Corruption. is the mixtape, debut mixtape. And I guess, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean a lately We've done a lot in. of um, so artists like said, whose yeah, origin probably.
1: stories and come up have been incredibly well documented, you know, but for Capital Stee's, I don't think it's as simple, you know, I think the information exists, but I feel like people don't talk about pro era and he's come up as much as some of his contemporaries because, you know, Capital Stee's was... A label head he was a visionary he was a creative a rapper an artist you know, he knows the head of a major collective that spawned genuine superstars like uh, Joey badass nick caution kirk knight cj flyer chuck strangers and everyone knows he was something special you know someone capable of managing such a diverse array of artists and pushing them forwards while still creating a space for his own career you know that's not an easy thing to do When he passed away December 2012, Pro Era was already making huge waves. Steve's had already dropped two major mixtapes, The Yellow Tape and American Corruption. Joey had dropped, obviously, 999 had come out that same year. Uh, Nick Caution had dropped his first mixtape. And maybe bigger still than those moments was the fact that Pro Era had signed with Cinematic Music Group. You know, 2012 was the year that their Careers were injected with jet fuel. Uh, Johnny Shipes had formed the independent label Cinematic Music Group, CMG, back in 2007 along to- alongside Smoke Dizza. Um, and Shipes' super sharp eye for talent actually helped them quickly amass momentum. He actually signed Sean Kingston right before he dropped Beautiful Girls. And although Sean Kingston's label situation around those releases is very complex... The singles in his debut album, um, they blew the frick up, man. They blew the fuck up. And Shipes actually told Variety in 2018 that signing Kingston was what turned his entire career around. So that was when CMG kind of blew the fuck up. They got into it really early. Big Crick came next. Three tapes in 2010, all via Cinematic Music Group. Joey came next alongside Pro Era. So both Joey Badass and Pro Era were signed individually to CMO, uh, sorry, CMG Cinematic Music Group. So sadly, 2012 was the year that Steve's passed and um, we'll talk about that at the end. But first, I, I kinda wanna paint the picture of who Steves was and what he stood for because those are incredibly important aspects of his artistry and his stories very fast i don't think a lot of people know all this stuff because i don't hear it talk about very often but we're going to talk about it so he was born to jamaican parents but tragically his father passed away when he was just three years old so his mother and his two older sisters raised him and he actually grew up in a household of five so he had three sisters his mother and himself he actually formed his first musical duo in the fourth grade they called themselves saturday morning breakfast and actually did some performances in class and this actually morphed into rapping by middle school Um, It was a duo, it was Steez and his best friend Jakari Jack, and they would download music from LimeWire and rap over it as the names Blowtorch and Excalibur, which I think is pretty cool. Fader actually did a beautiful profile piece on him, and they described him as a teenager with unique and flawless style, someone who fit in easily but refused to follow the herd. And he began to develop a bit of a reputation as a rapper. He was going by the name Jay Steez and building up a lot of buzz around the school. So Joey and Capital Steez met through this shared love of rhyming. Um, Joey was attending the same school and he was uploading videos of himself rapping onto YouTube under the name J-O-V. Now Joey told Fader that Steez's reputation has preceded him and he was actually really ecstatic to link up with him. Um, and that's where Pro Era began, man. It began right here and Joey told Complex, it started off and there were four of us. It was myself, Steez, my homie CJ Fly and Pow P., um, we all went to the same school, Edward R. Murrow. We would cut classes and go and sneak in the auditorium backstage and just rhyme for periods and periods, the raw shit. Steez and Pow came up with the name, We're Progressing, that's what it means. Be progressive, third eye shit, third eye shift. And Joey El- actually told Fader this about like the whole idea of Pro Era. We wanted to change the world through our music. So this was already the direction that Steez was taking in his own life. He was rejecting conventions and displaying a very strong sense of individuality his mother was christian but Stees began thinking about becoming rastafarian in high school and his views on organized religion were scathing scathing his close friend uh, kevin newen told fader we were both raised in christian families and there came a time in high school where we were like this is bullshit he started telling me about how the white jesus was fake and how jesus was really black now, during that outstanding "Free the Robots," um, the track off his uh, his debut mixtape, solo mixtape, he actually mentions his mother's faith, and he raps, "I won't stop till Reagan is caged in. Mum, tell me I should let the Lord handle it. The arm of the law is trying to manhandle us. A man's world, but a white man's planet, and the doors are slowly closing while we're falling through the cracks of it." Like <laughs> Very you're just picking out like just bits Ugh, so good he's such a good rapper it's unbelievable and you know across his first mixtape you can see his frustration at the conventional ways he'd been told how to survive capital C's. religion capitalism mainstream government you know these are the things that he was told to have faith in but you know throughout his music and just everything that he said and did he was he was always rejecting this and looking for a better way his music is deeply politically and socially conscious Um, He's highly critical of monolithic expressions of authority, so his distrust of establishment traces back to his recognition that organized religion was, in his words, bullshit, and so he began to expand his focus. He ended up at the music industry, no surprise. But it was always with a deep sense of purpose that Steeze delivered his words and his statements about establishments. During a beautiful piece by Christian Zeitler and uh, Carnegie Mellon, they actually described Steeze as having created his own set of unique beliefs, which were free from convention of any one school of thought. And he began to live by these unique, you know, his own unique value system. And the most motivating of these beliefs was that he was indigo. So the concept of indigo children, and we're going to get a little bit existential here, Um, The concept of indigo children was brought up in the 1970s by Nancy Tapp, who is a psychic who studied the paranormal. Now, she believed she could identify these children through life colors, which she defined as the single color of the aura that remains constant in most people from the cradle to the grave. Now, allegedly, and stay with me on this one tap began to notice a lot of children born with indigo auras how she came to be noticing a lot of children's auras i'm not 100 percent sure but you know that's not that she never explained that but it was a very slow burn to getting kind of recognition for these indigo children it wasn't until 98 when a book entitled the indigo children the new kids have arrived was published by a self-help duo that there was any widespread curiosity about this alleged phenomenon. Now, in 2002, there was even an international convention of indigo children. So, indigo children are highly intelligent, they have inherent intuitive ability, and they have a resistance to rigid, control based paradigms of authority. All qualities that Stees and those around him happily attributed to him. So, this was only one, and, and Stees was actively going around saying that he was an indigo child so but this was only one part of steezers spiritual makeup fader explains he created a unique spirituality incorporating new age concepts egyptian mysticism and numerology he and his father uh, sorry he and his friend would talk about astral projecting auric fields shape-shifting they would discuss ways to keep their third eyes open so very very spiritual and this worked its way into pro era you know they would meditate together rap about chakras third eyes You know, no one has a negative word to say about Stees's energy around this time. He was beloved. There's no, this is not a criticism. This is just me retelling like how Stees was. You know, he, his friends were devoted. And to most people, he appeared as a visionary and someone to follow because wherever he was going, he was going to change the world. That was the whole idea. You know, everyone thought Stees was very intelligent and they followed him because of this. Then we get to the number 47. Um,. So, Stees believed the number 47 was a number of universal balance. Okay, the fourth chakra is the heart and the seventh is the brain. And with the number 47, it represented the tension felt between these two chakras. Now, his friend said, according to Fader, that Stees believed 47 to be the universe's quintessential random number. And thus, he started noticing it in his daily life everywhere. And then we get the logo. Um, Most have probably seen it. He wanted to create a logo that blended two numbers and created a swastika from them So Fader explained that Steeze believed this would obviously represent the appropriation of an originally peaceful symbol into a tool of authoritarian oppression and genocide right thus explaining his own distrust of uh, authority and the establishment but naturally, the nuance in discussion around using a SWAS sticker is going to be non-existent. There's no nuance in that discussion. There's, there's nowhere for that to go. And Stees and Pro Era plastered this sticker all over the city, um, with Stees reportedly ready to debate anyone who criticized because he believed in the message and he felt that he had the ability to defend it and maybe even use it as a teachable moment. Obviously, it went down like a lead balloon. You know, you don't just plaster swastikas all over the city and think that that's okay. Um, Stee's actually told an interviewer that he was being investigated over it, and that was actually true. The NYPD confirmed that they were investigating him over it very briefly, but they still were. So, you know, that paints an interesting picture of Capital Stee's. We're going to talk about the yellow tape because this kind of came. The yellow tape kind of came out before all this. Um, It was before pro era, but you know, I thought I'd just give a little bit of background and history so you can understand that Stees was a very different person. He was very unique. Um, he had a very strong sense of self and way of viewing the world. And, you know, the people around him were intoxicated by it. And it seemed to be a positive, entirely a positive thing. You know, people were really gravitating towards him uh, early in his career. So, yeah, we get the yellow tape if you want to talk about that, Charlie.
0: Um, you can you can talk about it if you want. I want to talk about that fucking just... Uh... <laughs> so the funny the funny thing about that all is the, like the way i see just as a you know personal tidbit on just how i see religion and stuff like that right you know i see it in exactly the same way as i was just about to say you know if it's a if you see a positive in it and you become mm-hmm. a better person out of it then i'm not bothered about it right believe whatever you want because literally when you were talking about you know, indigo children, any of that stuff, uh, numerology, uh, crystals, any of that stuff, right? If it makes you feel better and it makes you think that you're, a, you know, if you find personal development and purpose from it, by all means, do you, right? And obviously you're going to find some like-minded people, form your communities, fine, I'm cool with that, right? Same with religion, right? If you believe in whatever religion, go for it, man. It's all you. Like, Believe what you feel. Um, If, again, you gain, like, you know, a positive edge from it and it uh, uplifts you and you can help uplift others from it and anything, all of that positivity, then fine, obviously, right? You know, there's a negative side of religion and all that stuff and, it, you know, and people take it for a ride, right? Which is kind of why I don't participate in religion in any way, because I just feel if I, if something hits me, uh, if I'm hit by a bolt of lightning and I see uh, whatever, whatever God is the true one or whatever it is, right, then Mm. that's me, right? But I haven't had that, so I don't feel the need to actively, you know, it's kind of like I don't feel, I found my purpose in other things, Right. And people find their purpose in religion. And that's fine, right? But I just don't believe everybody goes down that route. Um, So, you know. And then when it comes to indigo children and all that stuff, I'm just like, okay, it's the same thing, right? But I don't know. I just found some hypocrisy in there when he was just like shitting on organized religion and then went ahead and said, I'm an indigo child. It's just, it's kind
1: of of funny. Yeah, but I think it's... I think it's more the criticism of like a very conventional mainstream sure. authoritarian hey, because you know the, the concept culture, of indigo man. children you yeah, there's no there's no authoritarian like influence in that I oh, think he right. more meant with religion there's someone who's the overseer and they tell you what you can and can't <laughs> sure. do and they're kind of controlling your behavior you know I mean we we
0: we'll driven to uh we're all driven by something. We're all influenced by something else, whether it's a person or an entity. It doesn't really matter. But um yeah, not to get too theological on here because I am not rehearsed in that at all.
1: <laughs> and people... You not you haven't done any degrees in theology. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch a, um,
0: I did watch a video essay the other day or the other week um on the game Bayonetta and how that and how that uses theology um because it stacks with it and i find it fascinating but that's as far as i go like if you, if you ain't combining it to some 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 nintendo game then, then i guess uh not gonna not gonna fly with me for some reason but yeah I d- I d-
1: there you go that's charlie's that's me. rules for life that's if it doesn't if it doesn't coincide with a nintendo game i'm not gonna <laughs> learn about it
0: <laughs> exactly how would i find hip-hop I don't know because of uh, DK Nintendo DK again. DK Bongo Blast that's why um of course <laughs> Tony
1: Hawk pro skater 2002 li-
0: li- <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's because I heard it's because I heard the Anthrax public enemy uh uh link up that's that's why that's how I got into hip hop and I did that as I did uh you know a one uh, a 360 uh board slide off the off the stairs in the school um, that's exactly when it happened. It. That's exactly when it happened. Can't beat it. <laughs> that's the spark. <laughs> oh, gosh, I love Tony Hawk's Fresco. game. Go ahead. Um, fun fact, Tony Hawk's same birthday as me. Um, so there you go, fun fact there. Um, but yeah, that's quite, oh, I can't know what I wanted to say. You know it. you're in your 50s this while. <laughs> not the year, the date, but um, yes.
1: Looking good, man. Looking great for 52. Feeling good, feeling wow.
0: great. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I, I'm in my 60s. Um, i have I've duped you all. Um, but yeah, uh, go go through on the yellow tape stuff. Um,
1: no, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't write much down because you know I wanted more to talk about American corruption. I let's talk about American corruption. Um, yeah, no, I listened to more the. Sing-
0: I actually listened to more the singles um, than the actual yellow tape. I didn't listen to the yellow tape. I listened to like a lot of the singles that were just out, and I was like, that's interesting because, um, and actually, it brings me kind of into I Corruption although if you want me to start on it with if you have some background on it um, go for it alright no, so, so um, the, the overriding the overriding thing I came off it and I got this with a few of the tracks um, there was one called literally called Troy which um, as you can imagine uh, sampled the uh, song from P Rock and Seal the greatest
1: hip hop beat of all time
0: yeah literally like yeah Definitely top five for me. I just yeah. the the, the <laughs> gl- glorious and the beat, clean everything, clean. Um, definitely top five for me. Um, and yeah, so he, he you know, he like like most people did in what I call the MySpace era. Um, did those did those mixtapes right, and did those uh, tracks, and uh, also did one based off uh, Tyler's Yonkers. Um, which was very interesting. Um, it was kind of like it was it had the Yonkers beat, but it had something else on top of it. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But connecting that with American corruption, American c- 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 corruption um, is the fact that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of doom in here, isn't it? Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of doom production um, to, to, used used here, and I kind I kind of found that interesting of how. You, know, you have all these tracks, you have all these singular tracks, and you have these EPs with, you know, Pro Era and uh, you know this uh, and the yellow tape. But you when you have your debut mixtape and it obviously has the forty seven thing right in the middle, it feels like there's some weight to this, right? And obviously King Capital is supposed to be the thing after that. Um and, you know, real ramp up. You can see it. Um but I kind of found it interesting that, you know, even the first track, I think that was that had all caps sampled, obviously for Mad Villainy, and um, there was a couple tracks, I didn't note them down, but there was a couple more tracks, one of them was literally just a beat from one of um, the myriad, uh, the, the endless library um, that is MF Doom's uh, Special Herbs uh, series. Um, so good so good I have no idea what the fuck to begin with them, with, them, with them bro I was just like there's so many I remember when we did the Doom episode I was just like oh this is crazy why is there so many beats it's like seven volumes of, of, of fucking tons of beats anyway um, so yeah I just found that very interesting of how um, he actually used a lot of MF Doom work um, I, I kind of find that as a just outside of everything just um, a little thing that i kind of found interesting um but yeah you know you have a uh, truck stranger cj Flynn on cab Fair, joey on talking shit uh really like that track freed robots mentioned, um uh, is obviously very fascinating and uh yeah i just uh there was just a lot of um dead on arrival doggy bag or oh, the beat on doggy bag and 47 Elements, actually. There's some really fucking good piece on here. <laughs> this is really good production. I really enjoy it. And this is kind of why, overall, I just really like this era of, of hip-hop because it really... There was a lot of, like, I don't know, revisionism, I guess, and uh, throwback natures to it. Obviously, you listen to 999 that's, you know, extremely boom bap New York. And uh, it's kind of similar here. Um, a little bit Stuff like uh, Doggy Bag, 47 elements, um, I just uh, completely love. And uh, the re- the revisionism, uh, I think, that this era kind of had where they were kind of playing... They, they, didn't, they weren't taking what the 2000s was giving them. They kind of skipped over that, in my mind. They were like, nah, let's just go back to the 90s, if anything, and then just build our own sound based on that. And I feel this is a great example of that. Um, you can shout out some Mac Miller tapes as well from early on. Um, and I feel like they took a lot of that. Um but yeah, just um first verse on a on on a doggy bag is a very fascinating. Uh I mean all of them are fun, fascinating, but yeah. They I just started and I just came <laughs> I just like the word play on this one, I guess. So it's it's kind of a... I'm not a star somebody lied, but if you make another move, I'll turn this bitch into condom Shit, I'm going off, bomb, threat, and the rest get cut short like a prom dress. ADD got me feeling so accomplished, you novice. I can make you one of my accomplices. Ride shorty through Gotham like Robin did. Just don't touch the gauntlets, kid. Cult classic. Fuck a four, five, not I. I'd rather be on for cloud nine. The new ninth wonder. Gym, superfly snookier, snooker of this rap shit. I'm flyer than a suicide jumper. And when I went and boosted my confidence uh, from hard rock to hard knock, left the block in astonishment. Any pro tune, I'm going to just have to body it. As for Kamikaze, in Nagasaki and opposite. Can't send a boy to do a man's job because a Tonka truck's a Tonka truck. Doesn't matter the body kit. <laughs> and anyway, you cut it, I'm still monstrous. Hey, dudes, in grade school, so play cool. I think something about Stees in the... Very brief but obviously beautiful light that his music has, um, that his music career obviously spanned in a few years is I kind of I think this um ability to cover so much ground in terms of subject matter, Tonka trucks, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, uh, things like that, right? Even in that one verse, there was a lot of mentions of, you know, popular culture, and obviously you mentioned it, organised religion, he can really, I guess, uh, uh, he's very fluid in scopes, I would say, because shitting on organised religion is a very big subject to do, (laughs) and and putting some lyrics, right, and putting a few bars, Um, and then you have something more simplistic, like, Rapping about uh, mentioning Tonka trucks and Jimmy F- Superfly Snooker, right? But it all links together in some way, and I find that wordplay very interesting. Um, but I think the I think the talent, the USP, I I would say, for someone like Capital Steez, and why there is a still to this day a very I think dedicated fan base towards just how good he was, was that ability to change scopes to be relatable but also unique in how he thinks right even but even as you were talking about um uh his uh background that's very that's a lot of um that's a lot of shit to actually um paint yourself as in high school right um to say so comprehensively um, that I'm against this, I'm for this, you know. Not everybody is gets to that point, right? There's points where I feel personally, as a now 26-year-old, feel very deep-rooted in certain things, in certain ideals or whatever, right? Um, just as we record, uh, Nadim Sahar, he got fucking sacked uh, from his ministerial role, role over ministerial code, even though he got... Uh, Rishi Sunak was told about it in October, you'd think let's not hire him then, but they ended up doing it anyway and all of this comes out in the mud what I'm saying is I don't like the Tories and I don't imma- I can't imagine myself going that way at any point in life but people change but when it comes to capital steeds I feel like when you're that young and you're that rooted In these very niche subjects. Indigo children, bruv, niche, niche, (laughs) that's super niche, right? But he was so rooted in it and on top of that, managed to build his artistry. Again, brief but beautiful light, build his artistry based on those principles and those pillars. And not to kind of end the show for myself here, but I would have, if, the, in the what if realm of this if if he was still alive and, and you know continued his career I don't know man it could go a lot of ways and I find that so fascinating
1: yeah it's very interesting it's for someone to have such a strong sense of what they believe in at that young of an age I mean you might be sitting there listening thinking oh yeah he's around 25 bro he's not man it's, we're talking about this is age 17 16 15 like it's very young to have these beliefs and by the time we got Uh, Stees' debut mixtape where he really does he really is a debut mixtape I mean this is him talking about everything that he's gone through and everything he's experiencing it's actually a brilliant tape Um, but Pro Era was flying man at this point like Steez himself was flying as well Um, this is their 2012 heyday and you know when you think about it it with Joey and Steez who were propelling the group forward commercially they were kind of the dual hopes of the collective And Stees dropped first. He dropped before 1999, um, April 2012. Uh, It was a tape that he genuinely believed in, um, something he'd spent time and energy crafting from the instrumentals down to the artwork, the lyrics. Uh, It was a full package experience. Every aspect of this tape was molded into Stees' persona and beliefs at the time. I feel that's why... The lack of recognition really affected him so much because he put so much into this tape. And lyrically, it's very dense. You know, 41% of his bars deal with either religion, the government, or his own disillusionment, often all three at once in a single bar. Um, and his disillusionment in just established conventions and organizations, like, for example, the music industry and capitalism, both take heavy criticism on this tape. People often point to Free the Robots as the quintessential Thieves track featuring a heavy dose of this distrust of government and how deeply he was questioning religion. He even mentions the apocalypse in the first verse, saying it was getting closer, and certainly that was something that was growing within him during 2012 that we'll speak about in a second. Um, you know, the second verse is a far more nuanced takedown of systemic oppression in the U.S. He begins the verse by detailing his own fears of being gunned down in his own city, referencing Jay-Z in the first line, and then Biggie and 50 Cent a few lines later Then he raps, I won't stop till Reagan is caged in, which was very pertinent because a lot of Steez's bars on this album reference crack and the damage it did to everyone involved with it, from the dealers to the consumers to everyone in between and the violence that it brought to his community. He touches on religion in this very song, but he dismisses it readily. And I think that's indicative of the deep distrust he felt towards organized religion. At this stage of Steez's life, he didn't need to pen a scathing verse about the helplessness of those You know waiting for god to save them he felt like he'd progressed past that as if religion was now just merely a passing thought there's not a heaps of religion on this album um there's a little bit but in total he only references religion four percent of his lyrics where the government is 23 percent. so that's you know it's a massive difference and there's genuine tension across the tape between steez's desire for recognition and success and his disillusionment with the music industry on 47 elements he raps Look, he's here. He's growing a beard now. How's that for your mainstream? And, you know, the whole project is a perfect expression of where these was at in this moment. He was confident. He was flying. He had a record deal with an independent label. Joey was gearing up to drop his own debut mixtape. You know, the dual hopes of Pro Era were about to take 2012 by force but then it all fell away very quickly for steez you know this is april 2012 he passed away in december 2012 and things were okay in april 2012 but yeah i mean it's, it's it's a sad story um i will tell it uh i mean no disrespect when i tell this story or you know talk about steez's motiv- motivations but um there's a little bit here uh but i think it's important to talk about these final few months so Joey had been signed, and in turn, he got Pro Era signed, but it was quite obvious, apparently, that CMG were only interested in Joey. His videos got the the budgets, uh, the tours were Joey Badass and Pro Era tours, and shockingly, this is probably the worst one, CMG erased Stee's co-lead credit on survival tactics and instead called it a Joey featuring Stee's record. Even though it was a Joey and capital Stee's record, They Relegated into a feature, so Steez didn't get a proper music video release for his mixtape until five months after it dropped. Johnny Shipes, who I mentioned earlier, co-creator of CMG and the man who signed both Joey and Pro Era, he had some pretty brutal words. He said, "I don't think everybody is meant to do business together, and that just wasn't something that fit." Talking about he and Steez. Now Shipes had no intention of promoting Steez. You know, worse still are the words of Jesse Rubin, who worked at CMG in 2012. They said he could have been commercial if he sacrificed a few things which he wasn't willing to do, basically. So it makes his line on 47 elements about growing a beard even more relevant. Um, You know, wanting to go commercial seems like an unlikely state for Steez to be in, but Fader claimed he was upset about the lack of success of the tape. In a WYNU interview after the tape dropped, he said, I don't get hit up for interviews as much as I would like to. Forgive me, Joey, he gets free clothes. I wish I got free clothes. And like there was just this little bit of tension that was starting to creep in, and things got worse. So the tape dropped in April and in July, Joey and his mum actually registered Pro Era as an LLC that Joey and his mum co-owned, which essentially cuts these out of that aspect of the business. Something that would become even more toxic after Steez's passing, since they own the rights to Steez's catalog. So Pro Era had a tour booked for the middle of the year, behind the, the headliners Juicy J and Smoke Dizzle. I do say smoke dizzer, right? It's dizzer.
0: Oh, That's how I've been saying it, so yeah.
1: Because if it's Rizzer, it's Jiser, it's dizzer. Scissor. It's be yeah, dizzer. It's all... Scissor. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But the the group the group wasn't titled Pro ERA. It was Joey Badass and Pro ERA. So the marketing machine was in full effect and CMG had identified Joey as the star and the rest as the support acts, That's key. None of this was helping Steez's mood at the whole label dance and the growing divide between himself and his close friend Joey Badass. CMG were an independent label, and I think that definitely factored into Steez's decision to sign with them because I would be very surprised to say, you know, capital Steez signed a Universal or Sony. But CMG were just acting like every single other major label, commercialization over everything else. And while Steez was happy to engage with that if it helped him achieve his own end of changing the world through Per era, The commercialization was just not forthcoming for him at all he wasn't being involved in this process and CMG had deemed him unmarketable and he was relegated to the sidelines in a group that he founded you know the group that he was the lifeblood of and the visionary and the one that people followed now Fader said after the tour his friends described himself described him sorry as disillusioned Jakari Jack actually describes these as getting darker and he said you know he was a bit concerned fader then painted a pretty grim picture of stee's withdrawing into some slightly alarming occult practices and some other spiritual rabbit holes now when he spoke about these publicly he merely stated that he wanted to find balance and create a neutral energy so he he obviously felt a lot of chaos around this time he would re-release american corruption in october that year with seven new songs to try and re-up the enthusiasm but this was met largely with silence And again, I speak to Fader's brilliant article. They describe Steve's as secretive about his own psyche, often presenting outlandish theories that his friends say distracted them from what was really going on behind it all, so they weren't really sure what was happening with Steve's. Now, it's unclear uh, how, sorry, it is clear how unclear his mental state was to those closest to him because... Everyone repeatedly explains that they found him hyper-intelligent and often speaking about concepts beyond their understanding. So none of them actually comment on his psychological state with any certainty. His own family, for example, were crestfallen. They, they didn't even understand where the root of his problems were. They didn't understand what was going on because these had hidden that kind of side of his life and his experiences from them. And I say all this to say I don't want to dance around Steez's passing. I mean, he took his own life. He jumped from the roof of Cinematic Music Group's offices. There's been a little bit of rumor and conjecture around his passing. I'm not going to get into the conspiracy theories about Illuminati and all that bullshit for obvious reasons. It's not a conspiracy theorist podcast. You know, we haven't got the tin four hats on today. But during Survivor's Guilt off Joey's last album, 2000, he actually raps, Joey raps, how could people accuse me for his death? which was referring to those really weird theories. But during that verse, he also sheds a little bit of light on something I will speak on, because there are a lot of theories and well-written pieces, opinion pieces, really aligning Steez's uh, decline in mental health and, and you know psychological state, like correlating that with Joey's rise. And on Survivor's Guilt, Joey raps, yeah, we had some problems, but what, what brothers don't? Sure. Then I caught a little wave and headed back to shore. That's when he started drowning and he had no one around him. So partially, I feel it's my fault. Now, that song obviously takes part of its name from the Brilliant Survival Tactics, You know, a track that both of them were on. And, and Charlie said, I mean, most people probably introduced the thieves through that. And it just blows your fucking mind listening to that. But Joey seems to be acknowledging a well-held belief that Steez's mental health started to deteriorate after Joey started to explode. Once he came back from that tour, after being taken off his own song by a label he believed in, Fader explains Steez told a friend in November 2012, if the world doesn't end, something really big is gonna happen and it's gonna change our lives. Now here, Fader theorized that Steez was influenced by the end of the Mayan calendar and the belief that was circulating around this time, people might remember it, that the Mayans predicted the end of the world on December 21, 2012, because their calendar ended. So on Facebook, Steeze was referencing doomsdays and global paradigm shifts in November, and this was coupled with two things. He performed December 12 in Williamsburg, and everyone who speaks on it said it went really poorly. Um, He was heavily under the influence of alcohol, and he felt there wasn't enough people at the show, so he just walked off stage. Um, He would go on to tell CMG employee... few days later that he was done with the rap industry then pro era released their next mixtape peep the apocalypse on december 21st the day the world was meant to end according to the mayan calendar now his family said this did absolutely nothing to calm him he actually became increasingly paranoid about the 47 stickers plastered all around new york so he was a bit worried that he was going to get in trouble for it So the next few days are very dark stays appeared at a pro era party in soho but he was apparently distracted and sullen the next day he allegedly told someone during a pro era event who spoke to fader on the condition of anonymity that he was actually planning on jumping off the cmg building again allegedly this is all allegedly um, pro era members attempted to change his mind but the person who was there claimed it was too late he'd made up his mind already And then it happened, Um, either the very late hours of December 23 or the very early hours of December 24, uh, Stees was gone and and casting confusion and loss upon the people he inspired with his intelligence and his vision. And it's a really difficult story to hear. Um, You know, Stees was evidently a very complex soul, someone who sought to excel himself and everyone around him at every opportunity, but someone who saw his hard work go unrewarded, at least in his own eyes, repeatedly and consistently. So... I don't know if you haven't, so I've talked a lot there, but I did want to talk, t- say that story because I think it's very important to understand. You know, he wasn't at that point when American corruption dropped. He was very, very positive and very hopeful, and it just it got worse for him, man. In 2012, it just got worse as the year progressed.
0: Yeah, there's um, a lot of uh, just uh, a lot of events in such a short time, right? Um, and. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a it's 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 a very uh layered reaction, I would say. Um towards everything. Uh because I I was I was, I was thinking about kind of like failure as you were talking and how people deem it uh, and how people see failure and stuff like that. You know, L's are lessons, you know what I mean? And so some people talk. And, um, you know, people subscribe to different things. And uh, I find that, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like, cause I can understand why people on the outside looking in. Um you could easily make the case of just saying like, not the anumnish, you know, I'm gonna stay well away from that stuff, or the conspiracy theories, but just like just in general of like watching uh, of of watching people that you came up with get hot, right? And and at some and you might or may not think may or may not think that it comes at the expense of you and you know we <clears throat> we've been talking about Wu we Tang obviously for the past few months, right on and off, and you know the interesting obviously thing about all of that is that you know they all re- they're all relatively cool still um and uh and obviously they when they when they initially got their solo deals, it was with the just themselves, not you're signing Joey, you're signing pro era it wasn't none of that, so You can make a case that Joey just um, clumped everything together and that kind of exacerbated the issue because, like you said, they didn't want anybody else. They just wanted Joey, right? And if they want to be selfish about it, go for it. Um, But I don't know if that decision Joey and his mother made to clump everything together and just uh, make pro an LLC, I don't know, that feels like a case of contention there. Um, and uh, I, I, I also find it interesting that I there's so many people involved in this, and um, and there's not much, I guess, uh, clearing up on on uh, it has to be on Joey's word and nothing else, right? Um, and like I said, you know, we've been, he's been touting King Campbell for nearly a decade. um touted putting putting Steese's work on Spotify and DSPs in 2018 and it's just come now on the on the dawn of 2020 on the well, on the sunrise of 2023 so you know we don't know a lot clearly um behind the scenes and there's a lot of i can imagine uh i think conjectures the word um but just a lot of uh rivaling stories right and uh, a lack of people wanting to talk which is interesting and again i'm not going to get into conspiracies because that's just good because f- as soon as i said that i was like yep some people are going to go down the rabbit hole right off that sentence and i'm not going to bother um but <sighs> bro it's just that's a that's a lot it's a lot that's a lot how was that time span like a like six months eight months <clears throat> That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff to happen and a lot of um moods and rising tides and beats, story beats to have. <coughs> um and culminating in the uh in the taking of one's life is um crazy to think about. But yeah, man, there's a lot of uh I I can I can I can suggest a lot of things, but there's kind of no point, <laughs> partly because they've already either already been said um, or they just muddy the waters because, uh, again, there's a lot of conspiracies like you mentioned, and uh, I don't think a majority of it is really helpful in uh, sussing out, I, I don't know what you want to call it, not blame, but, you know... It could have been avoided, like everything can, right? And you always kind of want to see that. You you always want that hindsight twenty twenty. And for <coughs> a retrospective that we you know that we do in general, as as the ethos of this show, to not have it as twenty twenty is kind of jarring. And we kind of have to leave this as uh as gray. Because I I don't know what even to suggest <laughs> as, as to why the events happened, right? And you know, you can you can say it was just like you know um, label shit, but there had to be more than that, right? It had to be because you know I was talking to my boy about Warren G last night, and I was telling him a story that we that you told me on this pod of like how he was ready to go on literally onto the plane that I will say is a rocket ship that take Death Row to the newest heights. And Suge Knight just went, not you, left him at the terminal. But, you know, Warren G made a... Made regulate and the rest is history. And I always could... I? That, that's the kind of just the sad thing about it where I just wonder if Steve saw a different way of it of... OK... Joey's kind of, like, gone on his own thing. You can be bitter about that or not, whatever, but I still got me, and I still got my artistry, and I still got my voice, and, you know, as the years go by, everyone has a voice, right? And uh, while that can mean a good thing or a bad thing, you make a case for that, you can still have that, and you can still have... uh, something that you can be proud of. Um just because a label didn't fuck with you. Hey man, fuck with yourself. That's all like, that's that's you know. But <clears throat> I'm just basically talking at this point. So, <laughs> so well,
1: I, I think, think it's good. It's 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 complex because, you know, it's not just I I never see it as just the label not fucking with him. I see it as yeah, it, it has being, to be more than that. But, yeah. I mean, I see it as being one. Of, and again, I'm not going to comment on, on his passing, but I, I definitely understand or why he did it because how could we possibly know? You know, we're not going to ever know that. But yes. I certainly understand what happened to him basically being his worst fear being realized, where he actually did engage with one of these corporations or conventions or things that he's been told will help him get ahead in, in life and in the world, you know, something that will help him progress. Deal and that's the, the devil music kind industry. Of thing, maybe? Yeah. yeah. But like, I think he probably put his trust in that, that record label, which is totally fair. I mean, he might've been, he might've really believed in the vision. They might've really sold it to him, you know, and then it literally did the thing that he's been saying that corporations and capitalism and all these, you know, regimes, do it, it just chewed him up spat him out used him and you know discarded him and that was basically what he'd been railing against his entire career and trying to tell people this is what this is what they do and yeah it's it's hard man it's, it's, he's so young at this time he's so young it's not like he's 35 years old you know he's in his late teens like it's it's shocking to go through that what he experienced and um it's just such a sad story man and yeah, I. It's it's such an odd story because as you say, we just don't have enough information to go off. Like we know what happened, and Fader's article is very instructive, and you know it's it's quite well written. They've obviously researched it very well. They've gotten first hand sources. They've gotten friends, and so that you know, I, I trust what they say in it hundred percent. But um, you can't possibly know. You can't. We can't. We can't know what else was going on. And I think that that was why everyone struggled so hard afterwards. Um, you know, these, these kids were young, man. Pro era was young. Joey was nineteen, twenty. like when his his best friend passed away from that. So horrible. And, and what has happened since then has obviously been a lot of tension between Joey and the family. Um, you know, there's been Steves day and Steves day was set up to, uh, help the family and, and provide them with financial support. And then there was criticism over that. The family saying that Joey wasn't paying them. Joey said he paid them a hundred grand after the first one. The family said that he only paid them seven grand. You know, then Joey doing things like announcing that the album was coming out, and the family saying, you know, you need to tell us if you're going to do that. Like, you can't just announce music. We don't know. It's it hurts. Like, we we don't want to hear Capital Thieves music that we haven't heard without hearing it first. Like, we want to know what's in it. We want it because it's going to be traumatic for us to hear yeah. it, and that's totally understandable. And yeah, so it's not really known when the album comes out you know when it will come out but um the whole thing is sad man it, it, it feels so i don't know it just feels so empty and unfinished and like totally not figured out and fleshed out because when you you hear everything about capital steez in his early life you're like wow this man is intelligent and he's switched on and he's passionate and he has a really solid idea of what he wants to do and Those things were positive things. He didn't, you know, he didn't want to cause harm to people and be malicious. He wanted to better the world and change the world and better the world for the people around him. And then for him to pass so young, knowing how intelligent he was and how capable he was, it's just so empty, bro. It's just, it's really fucking empty. And that's why Steve's fans are hurt and they'll always be hurt. And,. Yeah, it's, it's it's a brutal realization to come to when you realize that that person's not going to be here anymore and their energy is gone in that sense and it's just sad.
0: Yeah. Um it reminds me of this um one of my favorite novels uh called Faultline uh by Robert Goddard and basically it's about this uh uh this kid who uh commits suicide after his Pops does the same years ago, years before and he basically leaves like a like a Hansel and Gretel type like, you know, trail of breadcrumbs and the main character doesn't figure it out until like until like he's in his sixties, until like fifty years later, forty, fifty years later. And it's just it's just reeling, right? To to have that uh that those years of just like not knowing the answer, and you kind of just have to move on regardless of that, of just something so unfinished. You know what I mean? Of, of uh, something quite, unquote unsolved. And uh, yeah, man, it's jarring. But unfortunately, we have to leave it like that and keep it moving. And we'll finish there uh, with a light note. If you have anything, Ben.
1: <coughs> nah, nah, not really. Really, nothing on your
0: mind? Nothing, nothing at all. Um, of. Nothing, nothing at all. Just, just been talking about, <laughs> been talking about this dude for, for, for an hour. I'm I could, I, I'm, I can't. I'm constantly surprised that we always make it to an hour. Like, it just seems like this yeah. one would be one of the short ones, but we make it happen. We make it happen for you
1: guys. We get there. I mean, there's there's make a story it, okay. to tell. We didn't even have that many albums to talk about this week, to be honest. We did.
0: Not we like... did. We just had one mixtape. And we you know, just kept it moving. just uh, just kept it moving because the story is just that. It's, it's rich, but it's not at the same time. It's really fascinating.
1: It cuts. Um, it's like the story's so intense, yeah. and then it just cuts off at December 24, 2012, and then you just completely lost because you're like, but it should keep going. Because yeah, it's,
0: it's just, just like there's like it's just like loose. There's just loose ends, just <clears throat> loose ends just floating in the wind. You know what I mean? You just catch one of them. You're just like, I don't know what this means, like, because you need to connect it with the rest of it. Um, but um, as a, uh, I guess PSA. Um, if you can, go spin uh, the new Chuck D documentary or Chuck D LEDs documentary. Um, hip hop, uh, how hip hop changed the world. Fight the power, how hip hop changed the world That's what it's called. Um, so four part. looks at hip hop in a very um, political way. Um, in ter- and the first episode, if you don't watch any of it, just if you don't want to watch it all, just watch the first episode. I highly recommend you watch that. Uh, just going through the not just the foundations of hip hop, but. The foundations of where it grew, and looking at the politics of New York and the Bronx and America around that time, and how hip hop literally just grew out of rubble. Um, politically, it's a very fascinating um, learning learning experience. Kind of uses hip hop and as a and some of the artists as a vessel for how to see American politics. Um, and it's uh, very, very interesting. And also, like many Chuck D-led things, is basically just an advertisement to listen to Public Enemy, <laughs> which I am not complaining about. But I see you, you ain't slick, Mr. Chuck D. Um, but yeah, very fascinating, 4 um and uh, really thoroughly enjoyed it. I also went to see Empire of Light uh, with my pops uh, this past week. Um, if you want something nice and light with great visuals, um, shout to Roger Deakins and um you know really good acting olivia coleman michael ward um as the top two on the bill um it's just very it's very serene um just watching it in cinema my pops when we, fin- when we finished it i was he was he said to me uh, I, I was kind of i won't I won't lie i was kind of skeptical with this like the, the you giving this uh you recommended this i'm like what do you mean Don't down my taste he was like, i'm not down your taste it's just we don't usually watch stuff like this i'm like Honestly, Pops, I would rather watch stuff like this than, you know, just blockbuster after blockbuster like we usually do. Because, like I've said to you, B, you know, the system is now blockbusters, cinema, everything else streaming. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really refreshing to see something as very low-key, very not serene because, I mean, Michael gets battered by some skinheads in it. <laughs> so, you know, bit of racism in there. But just overall the serenity of it um is very interesting. Um, and also Olivia Common, spoiler alert, is a nut job. But um, you know. There's that too. So it, it, but it's kinda of, it has this has it's kind of half funny, but you know, it, it's I don't know, it's weird, but it's just different. It's a nice character it's character driven and I love that kind of shit. And uh, me and my pods were trying to figure out where the fuck it was located. Um we gathered it was somewhere near Dover um, Cornwall area but it's very nice, it's very nice to look at <coughs> good character driven and uh, very highly recommend that film if uh, anybody's looking for something to watch um, but yeah, that's me <laughs>
1: yeah, well I'm good, good we're good man, good. we're good i got to go I gotta dip, i got to go do some stuff alright right. some so stuff do to do you know
0: yes sir, I've got to eat but anyway uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll leave it there from the fifth and podcast network. It's been digging Digits Let's try that again. Digging in digits. digits. Um, I'm trying to say the fifthm. I've been
1: Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Existential ep next week. Ooh, That's, <laughs> get ready be, Ben's ready. licking his
0: chops man. Ben's licking his chops I said in one tweet And he dropped me like Five minutes of just Deep shit and I'm going to reveal Something oh, next wow. week
1: On the pod Save
0: the clip Save the clip
1: I'm going to reveal <laughs> Something next week On the pod It's going to be fascinating Don't
0: unload the clip now or Don't unload the clip Already no, good. You Save uh, it up Until then <laughs> Until then uh, Hope you all have a good week For sure it's trying to do the same Until next time Take it easy Amazing job Peace 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 Digging in digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is pizza of midi games by bonus points. Thanks to Chill Music for the billy to use. Socials with filament hip hop by numbers bonus points and chill music will be in the full show notes as well as names of projects reviewed. For are listening, this has been Fifth in podcast a production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. On digging in. in. <laughs>